the end of my lesson anything, though. Something I thought about and never did give to talk to anybody about it before I got up here. Um, since Patrice is getting ready to have surgery and sounds like it could, it's pretty serious. Whenever they get to doing surgery on your back, it's pretty serious. So I'm going to ask you if you would to bow with me for prayer on behalf of Patrice. Um, you know, it's kind of interesting with a lot of things. I thought about a silly statement. Um, when Dustin said, when we get together to worship, we need to have an open mind. We do need to have an open mind to God's will, but it reminds me of a little person that said some people are so open-minded that their brain fell out. Don't be that open-minded, okay? But I have met, met people that about accept anything there is. It's just plain crazy. Uh, but this passage of Scripture, so I'm back into 2 Timothy. See, we took a couple of weeks reprieve from it, looking at a few things. But it is interesting. I do want to mention this. And, you know, I didn't pick where we're going to hit next. This is just where the schedule calls. But it was interesting to me as I prepared this, and even as I looked it over more this week and put the, got this finishing touches on the sermon, how it follows last week's sermon on counting our many blessings and looking back at our past. And I was reminded of something, and I'm going to turn over to a, a verse in James here in just a moment, James chapter 4 and verse 7, and I'll slow down and uh, read that. But so things are going well, everything. So do you think Satan's taking notice of us? So Satan will attack us. Let me tell you what. I did a little research, and a lot of congregations get started and do fine in the first year, and then the second year they die. Because Satan is no dummy. And he uses us, and you finally decide that Maybe you come out of something like we come out of and you let your guard down and you don't be what you need to be. God forbid that happens to us. So we've got to remember who we are. So I'm going to read a passage for you in James 4 and verse 7. And then when we get back to James 4 the second time, you'll know we're about ready for amen, okay? Uh, but James 4 and verse 7 says, Submit therefore to God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. You've got to stay tight with God. You got to do his will. You've, no matter what, you got to do his will, whether it's comfortable, uncomfortable, whether, what, whether people like it or not, because that's the only way you're going to stand up against Satan and be able to resist him. And if you do that, if we do that, he runs. If we don't, he'll find one of these pews and set in it on a regular basis. And in a little while, he'll own the place. So it's kind of interesting because this passage. And I thought it was interesting in the New King James, it uses the word avoid, uh, my New American Standard use, but it says, but refuse foolish, but refuse foolish and ignorant speculation. Refuse it. It is interesting that the Greek word that that comes from is translated several ways in different translations and different passages. The word literally means, if you would pull it out of the original language and look back in a, in a lexicon and in a dictionary of the Greek, you'll see that it can be, be translated many times refuse, probably in its strongest form. It's translated shun, uh, to avoid or reject. So it's all pretty straightforward, isn't it? So you look at this, and I want us to first, before we get into looking in passages that deal with that some, I want us to remember, he talks about things we need to flee from, told Timothy to flee from in verse 22. But now he says, but refuse foolish and ignorant speculations. 
first of all, knowing that they produce quarrels. Opinions, you've got one and I've got one, and if you've got an opinion and i got an opinion, I figure mine's better. They're just an opinion. But how many times does opinions in, on a religious level and even in church and differences between Christians become more important than what God said? I think, I feel. So I want you to think about that foolish and ignorant speculation. Foolish and ignorant speculation. Isn't it interesting what one person considers foolishness, another person considers wisdom. 1 Corinthians 1 and verse 18 talks about the gospel. To the world, it's foolishness. To those of us who are being saved, it's the power of God and the salvation. Of course it's not foolishness. The world views it as foolishness. But we know what it really is, don't we? The gospel is the power of God and the salvation. But foolish speculation, how many times? Well, all you got to do is believe in Jesus and say this prayer and accept him as your personal Savior and you'll be saved. That's foolishness. Because that's contrary to Scripture. And if you want, I'll rattle off a bunch of them real fast. That it's contrary to. You know many of them. We look at that. So foolishness isn't determined because, you know, I'm kind of the opinion if you don't drive a General Motors product, you're foolish. Okay? But you, you think, well, Tammy drives. Uh, well, if I didn't, I said, I don't. I, you know, no, you look at that. And we can see that. Of course, that's silly. Some people want to draw lines on things like that. Hmm, foolishness. But you know what we want. We want the book, the chapter, and the verse. Because it isn't about, listen to me, when you have a disagreement with somebody, it isn't about who's right, it's about what's right. And we got, God's word is always right. It is the truth no matter what. So I always got to get back to what the Bible says. So jump back to James, not James 4, where I told you when you got said, man, he's fast. James chapter 3 this time. I'm going to read a few verses here, and I want to show you that we had this mirror, this ignorant speculation, this foolishness. I think this kind of hits the nail on the head. Verses 13 through 18 of James 3. Who among you is wise and understanding? Let him show by his good behavior his deeds in gentleness of wisdom. But if, any, but if you have bitter jealousy and selfish ambition in your heart and do, do not be arrogant and so lie against the truth, this wisdom is not that which comes from above, but is earthly, natural, demonic. For where jealousy and strife, excuse me, where jealousy and selfish ambition exist, there is disorder of every evil thing. That's the wisdom of the world. Well, I think, well, this will work. You know, sometimes the Bible tells you what to do, and people say, yeah, but I think if you do this, this will work. Well, that's not what the Bible says. The Bible tells you what to work. It's easy with the plan of salvation. You've got to hear, believe, confess, repent, and be baptized. That's how you become a Christian. There's not another way. The Bible tells you... You know, I even look at that when people go astray and some people want to keep fellowshipping them and they say, well, you know, I think if we just keep treating them as a friend, we'll get them to return. That's not what the Bible says. And even if they did return, you're still wrong because you didn't do what the Bible says. So now maybe they're right with the Lord, but you're lost. So we got to, now, I don't care what you think and you don't need to care what I think. 
We need what the book says. So he says here, but the wisdom from above, here it is, it's first pure. What's that mean? It does what the Bible says exactly. No deductions, no additions. Have you ever heard this before? We speak where the Bible speaks, and we're silent where the Bible... It's we're pure. So, but wisdom from above is pure, then it's peaceable, gentle, reasonable, full of mercy and good fruits, unwavering, unwavering, without hypocrisy. And the seed whose fruit is righteousness is sown in peace by those who make peace. Wow, what a passage. So we've got to remember who we are. This foolish and arrogant... I don't need that. I need God's Word. Oh, look, i tell you one passage. I almost forgot about this, and I, I was reading through. I said, hey, you know what? There's something over in 2 Corinthians that I'm going to use. So I found it. It's over in 2 Corinthians 10. Listen to this, verse 5. You know what you need to? You know what we need to try to do with this ignorant speculation? I love this in the New American Standard. Here, listen to what it says. Here in this verse, we see that he says, we are destroying speculations. You know what you're supposed to do with speculation? Destroy it. You know how you destroy it? With the exact truth. We are destroying speculations and every lofty thing raised up against the knowledge of God. When it's against the knowledge of God, it's just speculation. You know, I've listened to people talk and waste all kinds of time. I even mentioned one of them to the boys just having fun with them about... No, I said, well, you guys probably don't need to open up a Bible because you know everything. And they bit on it, see. And uh, so I asked them a foolish question. Well, I wonder where... Um, Cain got it. Do you remember Cain's wife's name? Oh, that's, yeah, we don't know. You know, I listen to people waste their time worrying about a lot of class time even in Bible classes about where Cain got his wife. Let me tell you what, I don't care. And God doesn't care because he didn't record it for us. And why? till you know all it does say, why in the world would you worry about what it doesn't say? And so you look at that, but we want to get in those things. Well, you know, it doesn't say this, but, but shut up. Okay, that's pretty crude, isn't it? But that's kind of the way it is. But I don't need to hear you. Well, I guess Bible class is over. Now we're into mere speculation. So it says we destroy that. We destroy it with the truth, the word of God. And we are taking every thought captive to the obedience of Christ, and we are ready to punish all disobedience whenever our obedience is complete. Wow, what a passage of Scripture. So when it says back here, refuse foolish and ignorant speculation, he covers that a lot. Look at one other passage before we jump on to the refuse part. Go over to uh, Ephesians chapter 5, Ephesians 5 verse 17. And I bet you already know this, but this shouldn't take a lot to figure it out. The first thing it says is this. Listen to me, brethren. Do not be foolish. That's almost a no-brainer statement, isn't it? But you know, as much as it seems like everyone ought to figure that, there's a whole lot of foolishness that goes on. Do not be foolish, he says. Understand what the will of the Lord is. You know what the opposite of foolishness is? Understanding what the will of the Lord is. Well, how do I know what the will of the Lord is? He wrote it down. 
I have it bound up right here. Don't be foolish. Understand it. Know it and understand it. So you've got to read it and study it and meditate on it and live according to it. Boy, it takes practice to understand, doesn't it? We've talked about that. You know, I can speak in another language like, say, Ohio gozaimasu konnichiwa. And unless you know Japanese, you have no understanding of what I said. Now, if you do know Japanese, you know exactly. You would have said, oh, you would have answered me. But anyway, you know, you look at that. There's no understanding. Well, you know, to many people, even brethren, this is a foreign language. You know why? Because they don't use it. They don't, you know, I know sometimes I speak a foreign language to English because I speak um, some language I learned growing up in Kansas, whatever that language is. It is some form of broken English. But anyway, it is what it is. And so you look, we've got to study it because we need because understanding what the will of the Lord is, understanding means knowing it, accepting it, and obeying it. That's what understanding is. It, not just you intellectually comprehend it, but it makes your life. So turn back to 2 Timothy chapter 2 and verse 24. Or 23, but refuse foolish and ignorant speculation, knowing that they produce quarrels. Refuse. I want to show you something from Paul writing to Timothy and also Titus, those, those three preacher books, okay? Uh, turn with me back to 1 Timothy chapter 1. And listen to this, starting, we'll read verses 3 and 4 of 1 Timothy chapter 1. As I urge you upon my departure from Macedonia, remain on at Ephesus so that you may instruct certain men not to teach strange doctrine, nor pay attention. Some people don't pay attention any, but you're not supposed to pay attention to this, nor pay attention to myths. Off a black cat, that's a myth. Oh, if you walk, oh, that's a myth. Oh, if you break a mirror, that's a myth. That's all, that's all garbage. Don't pay attention to myths or endless genealogies. You know, well, I'm way more special than you because, you know, I can go back and my grandpa was a preacher and this and that. I'll tell you what I got that you got. My Savior is Jesus Christ, and my Father is the God of heaven. So don't pay attention to myths and English genealogies, which give rise to what? Mere speculation rather than the furthering of the administration of God, which is by faith. Did you see what he did again? He said, you're going to refuse this, and you're going to say, but this is what the book says. Now, I'm going to tell you what. I've been in that situation too many times with too many people, and they don't like it when I say but this is what the book says, and I tell them where it says it so they can read it for themselves. Now, when they don't like me saying that, I know their real problem is not with me. They think it's with me, but it's not with me. It's with God. He's the one who said it. All I'm doing is repeating, and I have that responsibility to make sure I speak the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth. And so we have to realize that, and we have to hold on to that. Let's look at another one in uh, 1 Timothy chapter 4. 1 Timothy chapter 4, uh, verses 6 and 7. Uh, 
Yeah, this is what I wanted. I wanted to make sure this is where I wanted to be. 1 Timothy 4, verses 6 and 7. In pointing out these things to the brethren, you will be a good servant of Christ Jesus. So do we have to point out to the brethren when they're not doing what the Bible really says they should do, they're doing something else? And that's what you have to do to be a good servant. So if I don't do that, I'm not a good servant. Constantly nourishing, nourished on the words of the faith and sound doctrine which you have been following. It sounds like we got to make sure we get our strength and our uh, grounding and our truth from the Bible, doesn't it? But have nothing to do with, that kind of sounds like reject, refuse, avoid, or shun, doesn't it? Have nothing to do with worldly fables. I didn't write this, God did. Fit only for old women. That's kind of interesting to me. I'm not going to get into all that. On the other hand, discipline yourself for the purpose of godliness. Discipline's interesting. Let's say you decide today, right now, for lunch, that you're going to lose 20 pounds. You're going to Eat right till you lose 20 pounds. So there's a bunch of food back there you can't eat today, okay? Hmm. Well, I'll start after lunch. See, that's kind of, well, you know, you know, it takes commitment and discipline. Let's say you decide I'm going to start walking or running a mile or two miles every day. I'm going to start doing it. When I get up every morning, and you get up morning, I'm kind of tired today. I think I'll wait for another day. Or we do it for good for one or two days, and then you can kind of fill it in your back of your calves. You walked a little, so oh, I better take a rest today. See how that works? Do you know Christianity works just like that? You got to suck it up. When the going gets tough, the tough get going. You've got to walk faithful to the Lord even when it hurts. And we've got to do what he says, even when it's uncomfortable. We've got to refuse those things. We definitely have to remember that. Look at another one. This is powerful passage over in Titus. But I thought since we're dealing with these words, I couldn't bypass this passage. Uh, Titus chapter 3, verses 9, 10, 11. But avoid, there's that word again, refuse, reject, avoid. He used it twice in this text. But avoid foolish controversies. Huh. Foolish controversies. That's controversies, because sometimes people want to pick biblical subjects and say they're controversial. I'm only controversial because you don't accept them. But foolish controversy is not accepting the Word of God or over something that isn't according to Scripture. And genealogies and strifes and disputes about the law, for they are unprofitable and worthless. Why you waste your time on worthless junk? Reject, there's that word again, a factious man or one that causes strife. Same thing. The old King James, I like that word, heretic. Reject a factious man after the first and second warning, knowing that such a man is perverted and is sinning, being self-condemned. Hmm. Those people you got to avoid, people that cause strife, people that try to get people to do things they want to do rather than what God wants them to do. We've got to watch that. You've even got to reject that. Now, I've got a bunch of passages we could turn to. We're going to turn to a few of them. I'll mention a, a few of them in passing. But a few of them are so solid we have to look at when we look at this idea of refusing foolish and mere speculation. 
Well, what if I know, I don't know, we'll pick on somebody. It gets to be Kim today. It gets to be Kim. So now this isn't true, but I'm going to pick on it because anyone that knows her knows this isn't true. But Kim is the one who is causing the strife. And she's the one that's always working on mere speculation, this foolishness. So if I want to stay away, avoid it, what do I need to do? I need to avoid her, don't I? Because if I avoid her, if she's the one that's teaching it, then I avoid the teaching, correct? I already said, we know that's not Kim. I always try to pick people examples. That's just like giving Carlene the drink, uh, drinking problem a few, Charlene the drinking problem a few times. You know, you always pick people that is farthest away from but you think about that, that's pretty plain, isn't it? That's what he's going to tell us time and time again. We need to remember that. So go with me to Romans. Uh, we got to hit this one. Chapter 16. Those of us who grew up in Church of Christ can almost quote at least last part of verse 16. The churches of Christ salute you. But verse 17, I urge you, that sounds pretty serious, I urge you, brethren, keep your eyes on those who cause dissensions and hindrances contrary to the teaching which you've learned. That sounds like foolishness and mere speculation. And my numeric standard says turn away from them. I've looked at this Greek word a million times. It means to shun. It means to turn and walk the other way. For such men are slaves, not of our Lord Christ, but of their own appetites, and by their smooth and flattering speech, they deceive the hearts of the He said, boy, you got to learn to just walk away. Just walk away. People say, well, that seems harsh. Take it up with God. That's what he says to do. Well, that doesn't seem kind. I think I've read something about the kindness and severity of God. And I'm telling you what, and I've told people this, all, and I mean this, as much as I mean anything, and I try to mean whatever God says when he says it, but if you ever get in a situation where you think you're going to make me choose between you and God, the choice has been made a long time ago for Kendall Fox. You're out. I choose him every time. And I don't care who you are, and I don't care who you're related to. I don't even care if you're my relatives. I'm going to go God's way no matter what. Because if I'm not, then I just will sit down and I just will go live hell bound anyway. No reason to do this. I just will get all I can get here. Either you're all in or you're all, well, the worst one, you know, we say you're all in or all out. You know, I say that sometimes. You know, that's not exactly biblically true. You could also be lukewarm. You could be in the middle. And that's worse than being all in. That's even worse than being all out. The worst thing is being half in. I don't really know how you do that, but the Bible talks about this complacency. It's terrible. we got to do what the book says every single time. Let's look at another one. This is another one that just... Whew. Isn't it amazing how God's Word is straight to the point? I appreciate that being Kendall Fox because I could miss something if you kind of were delicate about it. You know, If you can just kind of tell me right where it is. Okay, I understood that. So Ephesians 5, verses 10 and 11. Listen to this. Here's what we're trying to learn what is pleasing to the Lord. That's what I've been trying to do my whole life. 
trying to do. You know what I'm still doing? I'm still trying to learn what is pleasing to the Lord. There are some things I know are pleasing to the Lord because I know it well because I've searched Scripture. And I'm still trying to find out what I can do in my life today that is pleasing to the Lord. I find it in the And he says, do not participate. That word is the same word as fellowship. Do not fellowship. Do not participate. That's the same word. Do not participate in the unfruitful deeds of darkness. Wow, but then the next part of it is amazing. So not only do I not participate with you if you're doing evil deeds of darkness, but I've even got to point them out to other people. I've got to expose them. So they don't get, oh, man. You guys know our Supreme Court made a decision over a decade ago that's totally contrary to the Bible and said marriage is not just between a man and a woman. They say two women can be married. They say two men can be married. I hate to think where it's going to go as it goes on, but that's what they try to say. That's already pitiful and disgusting. Hmm. So some people say, well, we just need to live in this world and let them do what they're going to do, and we just need to just live at peace. No, we need to expose it. We need to point it out. That's uncomfortable. You bet it is. You bet it is. I wonder how uncomfortable it was for Jesus to be spit on and hit with a rod and have a crown of thorns crammed on his head and have one of his best friends sell him out for a little bit of change, 30 pieces of silver, and have another one who was his inner circle, his closest friend, deny he ever even knew him. Or he just has two, three guys that are so close to him, it's unbelievable. And he says, and you could tell he was just in distress. And he says, you just stay here and keep watch while I go pray. And not once, three times they fell asleep. Huh. It was never comfortable for him. Why in the world we think it's got to be comfortable for us? Let me tell you what, Jesus' reward is in heaven. You know where our reward is? It's not in Gray Summit. It's not in the state of Missouri. It's nowhere on this planet. It's not at your family reunion or school reunion or your job or in the bank. Your reward is in heaven or you don't have one. We've got to remember that. So, so many things. So he says you even got to expose them. Look with me another one. This is I always, I always try to find the ones that deal with the same thought or maybe even the same word like we're looking at today, but to illustrate what he's saying. So turn with me over to the long book of 2 John. 2 John, go to the last chapter of 2 John. Or you can go to the first chapter or the only chapter. <laughs> oh, there's a lot here. I'm going to start reading at verse 8 because I think we need to hear this. Watch yourselves. Did you understand? Listen to me. Did you know it didn't say watch yourself? Did you hear that? Watch yourselves. Are we in this together? You are your brother's keeper. Watch yourselves that you do not lose what you've accomplished, but that you may receive your full reward. Do we got to help each other get to heaven? Amen. 
And then he says, if anyone goes too far and does not abide in the teaching of Christ, if anyone goes beyond what the Bible says, they, they do not have God. And the one who abides in the teaching, right here, he has both the Father and the Son. What's the determining factor? Whether you live by this and do what it says or don't. Not whether you know it. You got to know it, but that isn't enough. You got to do it. And then he says, if anyone comes to you and does not bring this teaching, they don't, I don't care which part of the New Testament it is. If they don't bring that teaching, if they're not living in accordance to it, if they bring this teaching, uh, do not receive them into your house. So if I've got some brother or sister who's not teaching the truth or living the truth, am I supposed to welcome them into my house? Do not receive them into your house. You know, it's kind of funny here because this used to be a house. Now it's, it still is. It's our church house. And do not give them a greeting. <laughs> so I'm going to be the bad one. I'm the guy that is worshiping in a place that's not living according to God's will. It still says Church of Christ out there, but it's full of strife and sin, and I'm trying to encourage you to leave where you, right here at Franklin County and come to where I'm coming. And I show up at Vernon, I said, hey, Vernon, how you doing? Can he shake my hand? He says, don't give him a greeting. He, he might have to say something. Well, he's got a couple options. Either he can turn and just walk away. That word shun, avoid him. Or you can say, I'm praying for you. Well, you might have to get into something bigger than that. But he says, do not give him a greeting. Because look what it says in verse 11. If Vernon would have gave me that greeting, I'm so thankful. If Vernon would have shook my hand, I'd knocked him out of the chair. No, I wouldn't. For the one who gives him a greeting participates, you're part of the problem now. This point, we've looked at, I think how many passages, I can go on a long time, I'm going to have to jump on. Time and time again, he says we have to remember that. We've got to remember how big a deal this is to God. That we refuse, reject, shun, avoid what the Bible says. And I mean, the passages tell you straight up what it is. And I don't care if it's your sister, your brother, your mother, your children, your aunt, your uncle. It's all the same. you got to do what the book says. Boy, it can get tough, can't it? I think there's a passage. We could turn to it if you want to. In 1 Peter chapter 2 that said, Jesus suffered to leave us an example that we might follow in his step. That's verse 21. Hmm. He had to suffer to leave the example, so it's going to take some suffering to follow the example. Turn with me back to James 4. I'm going to skip the rest of these I've got here. I carry on all day. James 4. If you need more passages on the subject, i got a bunch of them. They're all through, especially the latter part of the New Testament. Listen to this, starting at verse 6. Oh, how great this passage is. Listen to this about being either, it, it's this plain. Black, white, light, dark, hot, cold. Listen, God or the devil. Okay, listen. But he gives greater grace to those, therefore it says, God is opposed to the proud but gives grace to the humble. 
Submit therefore to God and resist the devil and he will flee from you. Draw near to God and he will draw near to you. Cleanse your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. Be miserable and mourn and weep. Let your laughter be turned into mourning and your joy to gloom. And then he says this, verse 10, Humble yourselves in the presence of the Lord and he will lift you up. He will exalt you. We need to quit if we do. We need to quit trying to hold ourselves up. We need to lean on the everlasting arms of Jesus we sing. We need to humble ourselves in doing his will. And in the end, he'll lift us up all the way through the gates of heaven into the presence of God. If we can assist you in any way with your relationship with God, please come as we stand and sing.